0: Welcome back to another edition of the Raptors Pod Table Podcast. Gilmore Becker here with Kyle Irving, and I think we're both catching our breath after a record-breaking, historically busy trade deadline day. Not necessarily an emergency pod, but a reactionary pod. So when you hear that yesterday there was a record 16 trades involving 23 teams seeing 46 players on the move, what is your first reaction to a busy day like that? It's absolutely
1: insane. There was, uh, I, I don't know if the, the feeling of shutting your laptop after a long day has ever hit the way that it did yesterday. It was, it was really, it was a hectic day, but it's one of those banner days, you know, working in this, in this industry, covering the NBA and it's the most entertaining league in the world. And, you know, trade deadline being as hectic as, as it was yesterday, even without, you know, a lot of the big names that we anticipated going off the board. Uh, it didn't necessarily work out that way, but it didn't make it for, you know, any any more of a calm trade deadline. It was definitely hectic. It was a whirlwind and, you know, just trying to catch your breath and, and digest where all these players ended up. But it was a lot of fun.
0: Yeah, for sure. And like saying that, we have seen some things. We've had some busy days, whether it's draft night, the first couple hours of free agency, like yesterday was definitely up there and one of the busiest without days, without a doubt, especially us, you know, covering the Raptors and NBA Canada, The Raptors were coming into it, the center of the pretty much the NBA universe as far as trades, the trade deadline went, and they were responsible for three of the 16 deals. We might as well get into that straight away. Obviously, there were two minor deals. Matt Thomas sent to the Utah Jazz for a second round pick the warriors second round pick this upcoming draft terrence davis sent to the sacramento kings for the grizzlies second round pick so the raptors entered the day with no second round picks this upcoming draft and now they have two obviously their two big stories was one what didn't happen kyle lowry is still a raptor there's a collective side among raptor nation but norman powell's six-year run as a toronto raptor came to an end he's headed to portland in exchange for Gary Trent Jr. and Rodney Hood. The Raptors bring in two Dukies, but we won't hold that against them, at least not <laughs> yet. Um, first, I, I think we got to just take a, take a second, man. Norman Powell appreciation, man. Brought in on draft, draft day trade, second round pick, developed into a 20-point-per-game score. Um, you know, what can you really say about Norman Powell and, and his time? I know over on NBA.com you had some of his greatest moments as a Raptor. This guy was impacting playoff games as a rookie what can we even say about Norman Powell's impact during his time as a Raptor? He
1: was incredible. And it's just, you know, he's the model of the player development program. That the Raptors have, like you yeah. just said, comes in as a second round pick who was traded on draft night as, you know, just kind of, I think it was the Milwaukee bucks who drafted him and they just didn't really want him and trade him to the Raptors for pretty much nothing. and, it's it's just impressive to see the player that he became. I mean, over the last month, he really was one of the best scorers in the NBA, and that's not hyperbole. Like this guy yeah. was stepping on the floor and scoring twenty points with his eyes closed. It was that easy for him, and you know he just rode that hot hand, and he's going to ride it all the way to a nice payday this off season. And okay. I think the Raptors made the made the right move to you know move on from him and add a player like Gary Trent Jr. while also adding someone like Rodney Hood who contribute who can contribute to uh, trying to continue to win this season. And it's just, you know, I mean, obviously it's tough to part ways with a player like Norm, who it seems like the franchise loves him, the players love him, the locker room coaches, all the fans. Uh, But, you know, when, when, (laughs) absolutely. But when you break it down like that and, you know, you understand that you're parting ways with a player who, um, you know, is, is headed towards a big payday and you're, you're going to return a player who's 22 years old and can kind of fill a similar role where now maybe they can turn Gary Trent Jr. Another second round pick into uh, the type of player that norman powell was it, you got to be excited if you're a raptors fan but going into the day with that report from mark stein the night before about how the the number of teams that wanted norman powell were in the teens you know that jumped out to me it's it's got to feel good if you're norman powell just knowing that that's the type of respect that you're commanding in this league right now everyone knows that you can you're instant offense any you know you're a plug and play player that no matter where you end up you're going to fit in seamlessly with the players that are around you. And, you know, I, I don't know about his exact fit with the Portland Trailblazers. It's going to be interesting just because of, you know, the offense firepower they already have. Yeah. But anytime you're adding a player like Norman Powell, who he's going to give you everything he has on the defensive end, as well as his impact as a scorer that we know as, a, you know, someone who can shoot and attack the rim, he's going to help them regardless. So it's, you know, it's tough to part ways with a player like that. But at the same time, if you're a Raptors fan, you have to be happy with the return.
0: Absolutely. You know, coming into the day, Norm kind of talked about it, which what was his last game as a Raptor after, after the win over Denver, which is cool to see it end on, on a win. Um, he had a really great game. Too. I think it was eight for 12 from the field at 22 points, which is just that's what we've got come to know from him this season. But he just talked about not letting the rumors impact him, you know, positively or negatively. But I know in the back of your mind, like you said, if, if half the league is interested in your services, that's got to say something about, you know, how far you've come as a player. And the Raptors clearly because they had that many teams teams suiting him they I'm sure they they very clearly took the best deal that that was available for them um you know Norman Powell as it comes down to it he just played out of what the Raptors could afford to pay him. And I think it was mutually beneficial for both he and the Raptors franchise. Norman's going to get a bag uh, that he's, that's, that's much deserved. Um, and, and with the Raptors, you know, committing long-term to Pascal and Fred VanVleet and OG Ananobi, they just didn't have the ability to maintain flexibility and give Norman what he deserves. So I think it's going to work out for both parties um, in the long term, especially when you when you focus and your shift your focus to who comes into Toronto or to Tampa. And and it also note that the Trailblazers are currently on an Eastern Conference trip. They were in Florida when the deal happened. So Gary Trent Jr. and Rodney Hood were in Tampa within hours of the deal being made official. But Got to start with Gary Trenton Jr. You mentioned the fact that he's 22. He just turned 22, and this is crazy. He is the youngest guy on the Raptors roster. This is third season, but he's younger than Malachi Flynn and Jalen Harris, both rookies, and actually, on top of that, he's younger than 13 members of this year's rookie class, including... Peyton Pritchard, Obi Toppin, Desmond Baines, Xavier Tillman. So, you know, you talk about you and I were on here a, c- a couple weeks ago talking about a Norman Power replacement in the draft. Well, he's essentially a draft pick. He's 22 years old, averaging 15 points per game this year uh, In 23 starts, He's actually averaging 18 points per game when he was starting in place of C.J. McCollum. So we know what he can do in a starting role. Forty two percent shooter in catch and shoot situation. So. I mean, this is clearly for the future. Obviously, this is the final year of his rookie deal. He was a second-round pick a few years ago, uh, taken with the 37th pick. But uh, he will be a restricted free agent this offseason, turned down – what was it, a a $56 million extension? Yeah,
1: four-year, $56 million extension with the Blazers this offseason, which you know, if you're Gary Trent coming off of the run that you had just had in the NBA bubble, you're already proving that you're starting to find your groove in the NBA and really find your niche as kind of a 3&D guy. Um, I, I don't see why you wouldn't bet on yourself in that situation. It seems like it's going to pay off for him, but it's interesting for the Raptors because now that was you know, about roughly $14.2 million that he's going to be expecting. Probably something a little bit more than that, but it's going to be something south of the you know, approximate $20 million that uh, ESPN Zach Lowe reported about Norman Powell and what he might command this offseason. So it's interesting to think about.
0: Yeah, so so looking at that and, and and what Gary Trent Jr. brings, obviously the numbers speak to him for themselves. He has a reputation. He's a sharp shooter um, and, and skilled offensively, and very young and can develop into even more. I was pretty excited about what that meant for the Raptors when I heard that was the what the deal centered around. What were you thinking when you heard that Gary Trent Jr. was was the return for Norman Powell?
1: I was excited as well, especially because like you said, you know, he's so young already and we already know the reputation the Raptors player development uh, has in this league of just being able to turn these guys into players that all of a sudden, like I just said, someone like Norm who is going to command roughly $20 million a year, which is crazy to think. And I think, I don't see why Gary Trent can't be that same mold. I mean, he's a second round pick in 2018. He's worked really, really hard to get to the point that he is in his career today. And you know, that fits right in with Fred VanVleet, Pascal Siakam, OG Ananobi, guys like that who have, you know, worked their tails off to get to this point in their career. And I think the thing that excites me the most about Gary Trent Jr., like you said, sharpshooter is a catch and shoot. Guy and he can also shoot off the dribble. He can kind of he can shoot it any way that you need him to shoot it from beyond the arc. But the thing that's exciting about him is his versatility on the defensive end. Now Norm's a solid defender because of his effort, but I also think that Gary Trent Jr. right now could arguably be a better defender, perimeter defender than Norman Powell is. But I think his ceiling as a defender is much higher. He's a little bit bulkier. He has a six foot nine wingspan. And already, I mean, he was kind of taking on that role because Damian Lloyd's solid solid perimeter defender, but obviously his focus is on the offensive end and C.J. McCollum is is more of just a scorer. So the Blazers were really relying on Gary Trent Jr. to be their, you know, kind of premier perimeter defender guarding anybody one through three. And if you need them to guard your best player, whether it be, you know, some of the toughest guards in the Western Conference, they had no problem throwing Gary Trent Jr. on those players and, and expecting him to succeed in that role. And when you're looking at the Toronto Raptors who pride themselves on the defensive end and Nick Nurse and his defensive schemes, I don't see why Gary Trent Jr. can't, even potentially exceed his potential uh, as you would see it right now as a perimeter defender when he's in Toronto so you know you got to be excited about the instant replacement that he gives you as a catch and shoot guy uh, on the perimeter filling in for Norman Powell but as a defender I think you're you should be ecstatic about what you're bringing in Gary Trent
0: yeah it's, it's crazy everything that we're saying about him it just makes it feel like the perfect fit you know culture fit and on the court fit as far as absolutely a guy who was you know "Quote unquote," an overachiever, just being a it was an early second round pick, but still a second round pick who had to work his way and carve his own role in, in this league and really develop that reputation for being the shooter that he is, hard nosed competitor on both ends of the floor, and again he has so much untapped potential um, as a 22 year old. Again, fresh 22 year old and with the franchise now who's arguably the best at developing talent, and it's a guy who's very willing to develop. And you know, you you. I saw a lot of Portland fans and, and people involved with uh, the Trailblazers franchise just saying, "Man, Gary is a great one." Like you know, and people say that about about their players, but you know, it just felt like a, a little, a very genuine about just how good of a guy that he is and, and how willing he's going to be to work. And he had a video uh, when he when he when he got to Tampa, he's like, "Let's work, let's get to it." He's already getting shots up, you know, at midnight, his first night in in Tampa in, in the ballroom practice facility. So you have to be excited about that. I know we talked a little bit about his breakout i got to give i take a second for for bubble gary cuz at that time when when portland was going crazy Like he was, he
1: was unbelievable. There was a point where it seemed like Gary Trent Jr. Might never miss another three point (laughs) shot again when he was in the bubble. I mean, I got it right in front of me right here. He averaged 16.9 points shooting 51.6% from the field, 50.7% from three. And these were, these were games where Portland needed to win almost every single game. Like they had to play near perfect basketball to even get into the playing game because of, you know, how far back they were set because of injuries during the regular season and all of that. So you know, when stakes were at their highest, essentially playing a playoff game every single night, Gary Trent Jr. was stepping up night in and night out, giving Damian Lillard, you know, everything that he could to try and help this team reach the playoffs.
0: Yeah, it's crazy. You had those numbers written down, not the exact same numbers written down, even had it made it made, it, made to make a point to say he was shooting 50.7% on eight and a half attempts per game, shooting He's eight and a half. It got it got to the point where like, anytime I saw Gary Trent catch and shoot three, wide open three, I'm expecting it to go in. And I know we talked about, he played with Davey, played with CJ, those guys having the ability to create for him what that did. But we'll see something similar, obviously a very different kind of undersized backcourt, but we know Kyle Lowry is going to create for him. We know Fred VanVleet is going to create for him. Pascal Siakam, underrated playmaker, going to create for him. Um, OG, developing as a playmaker, these guys, and it's cool to think OG's 23, Gary Trent is 22. These guys will be able to develop alongside one another and have some of the older veterans be able to bring them along as well. So that's a, a, another element of it that, that's really exciting. And I would definitely have to bring up the, the very weird Freaky Friday parallel if you recognize the name Gary Trent, not from this version, he is the son of Gary Trent senior who played the first three seasons of his career with Portland was traded 41 games into his third season to the Raptors. And now the exact same thing has repeated itself with Gary Trent Jr. That was pointed out over on Twitter. And it's made the rounds once the legitimacy of that stat was confirmed, which is pretty wild. Just a thing. They play nothing alike. Uh, his dad was nicknamed Shaq of the Mat because he was an undersized big man. But cool to see a, a second generation Raptor uh, make his way to the roster.
1: That type of stat, it just seems fake. Like when, when that was dropped into our Slack chat and then, you know, obviously guys had to go on basketball reference and verify that it was actually true. And then once it was verified that it was actually true, it's just, it doesn't seem like that should even be real. That's like, you know, an alternate universe type thing where it would line up exactly
0: that way, the way that it did. Yeah. Yeah, pretty wild. Now, obviously, Gary Trent wasn't the only guy who is now a Raptor. Got to talk about Rodney Hood as well. He's a bit older, 28 years old, uh, suffered a torn Achilles in December of 2019, but was ready to go opening night this year. I think the Blazers have been a little cautious uh, with just bringing him back. I know he's had some some games where he's had some injury management and just sat out, but uh, he's a career 12 point per game score this season, averaging a little under five points per game, uh, but he has started it five times and three of those five starts you finish in double figures including a season high 21 points versus the Spurs. I think that You know, we can't overlook what Rodney Hood could bring to this team. Obviously, a big part of it was the salary match. But before he went down with that injury, man, Rodney Hood was a baller. I will mention he was shooting just under 50% from three when he went down in the 2019-20 season. So we know what Rodney Hood can do. He can fill it up. He can shoot the ball. And maybe a change of scenery might help him, uh, especially with a guy like Alex McKechnie and the sports science that the Raptors have going for them. Maybe he can get back to full strength and, and be a contributor on the second unit.
1: Yeah, he's a versatile guy who can shoot the ball and he, you know, likes playing defense. I don't see why he wouldn't be able to help the Raptors off the bench. You know, sometimes it seems like this season part of the Raptors' problem has been that they don't have enough just true NBA players on their roster. You know, they're gonna get guys that are giving you 110% effort and they're giving you everything that they can, but that doesn't necessarily mean that they belong on an NBA roster. And I think when you look at someone like Rodney Hood prior to that injury, I mean, you and I personally saw one of his best games, one of his best games in Charlotte. I mean, he went crazy in that fourth quarter. I don't remember exactly how many points he scored in that fourth quarter, but Gil and I attended a game in Charlotte when we were both working in Charlotte and they were playing the Portland Trailblazers and Rodney Hood single handedly put the team on his back and, and closed that game out in the fourth quarter. I think he probably had like 10, 14 points, something like that. And I remember he hit a shot like just shy of the logo from three to, to seal the outcome of the game. But uh, he's had performances like that before too. I mean, he stepped up huge for the Blazers in the playoffs when they were playing against the Denver Nuggets to force a game seven. He's had moments playing with, you know, alongside LeBron James in the playoffs going all the way to the NBA finals. So you're bringing in a guy who's seasoned, you're bringing in a guy who is going to be a great locker room guy. And he's, you know, a proven veteran that, like I said, he can play defense guard
0: multiple positions and shoot the three. That's all the Raptors could really ask for quick note on that with rodney hood off the bench in this game 27 points 9 for 14 from the field in 24 minutes of action uh and you undersold him a little bit he had 21 in the fourth quarter of that 21 game. in the fourth quarter 20, yeah. 21 in the fourth quarter of that game i remember so, you know, him you, going you, crazy i don't remember went, 21 points in the fourth went, quarter went, though that's went insane crazy that game 21 in the fourth quarter for rodney hood in that one and it was like a i think the trouble is we're on like a seven or eight game road trip at that time it was a sunday afternoon game and he stepped up big time cuz CJ McCollum and Dame didn't really have great performances so we know Rodney Hood's capable of 68 great size for a, for a very skilled wing player um you know again his contract is partially guaranteed for next season so the raptors don't have to keep him around but it's worth seeing what he's capable of, of bringing to the to the floor especially when the team like you mentioned it, it has been searching for answers especially in the second unit there was that that Chicago game where you have the three leading scores and your fourth leading score has six points so you know if Rodney Hood can go out there and give you 10-15 minutes or 20 minutes and you can see what he's got for you I think you know especially nobody not everybody's going to come back from an Achilles like Kevin Durant because Kevin Durant is Kevin Durant and also Rodney Hood he's only 15 months removed from the injury and the surgery to repair it so maybe once he you know gets down the stretch run of this season you know late April um, especially in, in May when the season's really wanting running down, we might see him get back closer to himself. So I don't want him to be written off as just a throwaway in the straight cause one he's making ten million dollars a season and he's capable of, of of doing big things. So you know keep an eye out on what Rodney Hood could bring to this franchise, right?
1: Yeah, absolutely. And I, it's going to be interesting just to see where he finds his role on this roster and where Nick Nurse kind of plugs him in in the lineup, but don't be surprised if all of a sudden this guy becomes one of the, you know, consistent leading bench scorers for this team if he, you know, commands the minutes to allow himself to do that. But like you just said, I mean, he doesn't even necessarily need a lot of a lot of playing time to start to fill it up. So if as long as he's getting, you know, 15 minutes a game where he can have a ch- opportunity and a chance to get into a rhythm, look out
0: yeah absolutely absolutely so raptors busy two guys in three guys out and two picks and raptors can get active in the draft and let's again not sleep on second round picks, especially with a franchise like the raptors now that being said there were 13 other trades that happened some of them directly impacting the teams who are vying for playoff positioning with the raptors but if you had to just say uh there was one winner of a busy the busiest trade deadline in nba history who won the day
1: i think the denver nuggets won the day i still cannot believe that they somehow found a way to bring in aaron gordon without giving up michael porter jr like gary harris he's he's been just riddled by injuries and it's unfortunate because he was he had such a promising you know arc to his career earlier in denver before all these injuries started riddling him but Uh, between him, R.J. Hampton, and a 2025 protected first-round pick. We're talking four years down the line, protected, and that brings in Aaron Gordon. I have a hard time believing that there are other teams out there that couldn't have found a way to bring him in with different assets. But at the same time, I mean, if you're the Denver Nuggets, you have to be thrilled about that because you're bringing in a guy who now he's going to take on a bigger role as a defender. He can still bring it offensively. He's shooting over 40% from three this year, which is remarkable. And now you're adding him next to Nikola Jokic, arguably the best passer in the NBA. I mean, we've seen what he can do as a leaper and dunk contest. Now we're talking about a guy who's just going to catch and shoot threes and work as a cutter on the offensive end, while also just, you know, kind of becoming their premier perimeter defender or not even perimeter defender, just defender in general. It's, you know, an unbelievable ad for the Nuggets. They got better yesterday. I think personally, they, I would say that they are, yeah, actually, absolutely. I would say the Nuggets yesterday increase their chances to win the title more than any other team did.
0: Yeah, I, that, that's really fair to say. I mean, Aaron Gordon is a guy who, you know, they, they've they been missing the the production of Jeremy Grant. Uh, Aaron, not a one-for-one replacement. They're not the exact same player. But a lot of the things that they were missing in Grant this year, they've clearly uh, been missing as you saw them this year. He can do that in and, and his own way and do some different things too. And Aaron Gordon is a guy who uh, I think being in Orlando has done him a disservice around the league generally speaking, as far as what he uh, brings to the table as a player. So I'm excited to see what he can bring to Denver. And maybe that means Jamal Murray is the next Canadian champion. We'll see. Uh, As far as who I think won the day, I probably got to go with the Chicago Bulls. I think going into the day, the Bulls were a friends team. Are they going to end the playoff drought? Maybe, whatever. Like is Zach Levine disgruntled? Is he unhappy? Whatever. To go out there and bring in Nikola Vucevic, now they have a – all-star duo for the first time in a while in Vucevic and Zach Levine uh, on top of that they also made a couple other moves brought in Daniel Tice from the Celtics and just uh, shifted here and there Uh, but Vuce is obviously the big fish that landed in Chicago so it's interesting because that is going to impact where the Raptors stand as we enter today at the time of recording right now Friday before the Raptors play the Suns The Bulls are in 10th place. They're a game and a half ahead of the Raptors, who are 11th, and they're a game behind the Pacers, who are 9th. Now, the Celtics, the Heat, the Hawks all made deals yesterday, too, and the Hornets as well, minor deals. But most of these teams are active. I mean, 23 out of 30 teams in the league were active but um the bulls making a big splash i think solidifies them as a playoff team whether it's you know solidly in that seven to ten range but i think they can make a push to get uh out of the playing range so that makes things interesting for the raptors as far as their ability to leapfrog them or who they'll look to leapfrog as they compete for a playoff spot i say that because We got to talk about what didn't happen yesterday, too. You know, Kyle Lowry was looked at as the most obviously sought-after player to make teams a championship contender. The Lakers, the Heat, the Sixers seemed to be vying for him. The question was, are they one Kyle Lowry away from winning a title? It seemed like they didn't value him enough because Masai Ujiri ultimately decided that their packages were not enough to bring Lowry to the roster. So now that means... This rapper team isn't keeping Kyle Lowry around just to be a lottery dweller. So. We got to talk about that was it a little awkward to you know after all the fanfare and 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 thinking that we've watched kyle lowry's last game and then you know kind of like you know when you tell somebody like a big goodbye and they end up walking the exact same direction out of the building with them it's like oh you're still here what's up
1: it's <laughs> a that's a great way of putting it i i actually found myself last night just thinking about like the first interaction between like kyle and og in the locker room or like kyle and fred in the locker room like right when he first walks back in there and they're like oh, so you're still here. It's, it's hilarious to think about, but no, like you just said, it's, you know, the Raptors are going to be competing as long as Kyle Lowry's on the roster and you bring in a guy like Gary Trent and Rodney Hood, like that's, they're going to continue to work towards a playoff spot. And, you know, they're going to be as tough as we expect them to be as a first round out if they do make the playoffs. I don't think there's any team in the Eastern Conference, even with the ups and downs, the Raptors have had this season that would be, you know, looking forward to playing the Raptors in the first round. Um, You know, is there any sort of awkwardness behind him coming back. I honestly don't think there is one just because he's been there for so long. And two, because he was acknowledging it himself that it was a possibility. It's not like, you know, he wasn't open to the idea of potentially leaving to go to a Miami or an LA or Philly, it, he was just kind of accepting his fate and understanding that, hey, if that's what's best for the franchise and they're willing to work with me going towards a destination that I want to go to, it's all going to work out. But if it doesn't, I'm cool with finishing the season here and, and figuring it out in free agency after this. And we're going to kind of go from there. But you know, if you're a Raptors fan, you got to be excited about Kyle Lowry sticking around, obviously, because you're going to get to watch him play for, you know, pretty much half of a season here and potentially one last playoff run. And like I said, as long as he's on the roster, they're going to be competitive and they're going to be a tough out in the playoffs. So it gives you something to look forward to moving forward this season. And at the same time, it's nice to know that the Raptors didn't make a deal just to make a deal. I mean, it seems like with each team, and and this is all going based off reports that we've seen, but it seems like with each team, they had their minds set on a couple different players. With the Lakers, I saw KCP, Dennis Schroeder, and Taylor Horton Tucker. With the Miami Heat, it was Tyler Harrow. With the 76ers, they wanted Matisse Tybel and Tyrese Maxey. And if teams weren't willing to meet those demands along with the draft compensation the, the Raptors wanted in return as well, they weren't just going to make a deal to make a deal. And if you're a fan, you know, sometimes you just want your team to make a trip especially if you had accepted your fate and you're like, all right, we're moving on from Kyle Lowry. Let's see what we can get in return and we'll take whatever we can get you know, maybe that's one way to look at it just because you're looking to change things up or whatever, but I mean, you got to be excited that your front office isn't just going to throw away the best player in franchise history just because they want to make a deal. I mean, it's worth being patient. And even if you lose them in the offseason for nothing, it is what it is. I mean, this guy's given so much to the franchise. He's turned Toronto into a destination, into a champion. He's done so much for him that, you know, you want to make sure that it's the right deal and you want to make sure the return is right. And if, if, if it wasn't and it didn't appear to be, you should be happy that he's staying put.
0: Absolutely, everything you just said is exactly why Masai Ujiri and Bobby Webster are considered to be two of the best front office aces in the league. Like, you don't budge. You don't. You have all the leverage in the situation. These are these other teams are the teams who need Kyle Lowry to win a championship. the, Ra- the Raptors have Kyle Lowry and they know what Kyle Lowry can do for them. But as for the Lakers, do we think that we can bring this guy in and can we retain him to increase our championship chances? If we're the Philadelphia 76ers, does this make us better than Brooklyn? If we're Miami, does this put us into that upper echelon in the Eastern Conference? And can we keep him long-term? And I think ultimately, you know, not having the ability to part ways with that young talent, which again, salute to them because the Raptors were not going to take any old deal that wasn't going to benefit them just as much as it benefited Kyle. Because I think just as beneficial as Kyle going to compete for a championship this year, which who's to say you can't do with the Raptors? Probably not, but you don't know this year. Um, as beneficial as that is, I'm sure it's just as beneficial for him to scrap and claw with this team and enjoy this journey to try and get back into that top six, because this team has been dealt a terrible hand. We know how good this team can be. We saw it against Denver. We've seen it. You know, they were a couple plays away from being Utah, who has the best record in the league. And they just had a couple unfortunate bounces throughout the course of their nine game losing streak. I think we know this team is closer to who it is when they're playing at their best than how they've been playing, you know, over this last 10 game stretch. So Keeping Kyle Lowry makes it exciting. I think he can also impart his wisdom on Gary Trent. And, and I think he'll be a great for, for Gary Trent as another guy he can respect the work ethic um, and, and help him moving forward as well and and obviously the focus will shift to the offseason and and his impending free agency that Lowry's free agency uh and and these teams like Miami uh and Philadelphia and and LA who are strapped for cash but if you want a guy you'll be able to make something work I'm sure Dallas will try to get into the picture as well but for now you know we don't even know when free agency is going to start but you know for the remainder of this season Kyle Lowry is going to be putting on that number seven uh and, and for the Raptors and we'll get a chance to see him in the new purple uniforms too because we wouldn't have had he gotten dealt so um I think that's That's definitely exciting. Obviously, the focus shifts to the immediate future for the Raptors. At the time of recording, we're a few hours away from tip-off. The Raptors are taking on the Phoenix Suns today, which is Friday. And then Sunday, (laughs) familiar face, Noah Powell, and the Portland Trailblazers, which is going to take some getting used to saying will be in Tampa to take on the Raps. And then the next week, they take on the Pistons and the Thunder, who will be without Shea Gillis-Alexander for a while due to plantar fasciitis. But you look at this upcoming stretch, it's Suns, Trailblazers, Pistons, Thunder, Warriors, Wizards, and Lakers, injury riddled Lakers. I think that this is a a stretch where the Raptors have an opportunity to kind of get back on track and, and move back up in the standings, especially with these new pieces.
1: Yeah it is it's a pivotal stretch and I mean there's no better way to start it off than that you know dominant win over the Denver Nuggets yeah prior to the trade deadline and maybe that was kind of like they felt like it was a send off and they were just playing you know just nice free flowing basketball not really yeah. thinking about the pass and everything like that because they had they had an idea that it could potentially be Kyle Lowry's last game and it would end up being Norman Powell's last game, but Hey, maybe that's all it takes for them to realize, Hey, why don't we just do this every night? Why don't we dig in on the defensive end and play free flowing basketball? Just don't let everything that's gone on earlier in the season, weigh us down and just play the basketball that, you know, we're known to play. And I think that this upcoming stretch is going to tell you a lot about this Raptors team, especially after making deals or not making deals with Kyle Lowry involved. And we're going to see exactly what this team has for the future and for a potential playoff run. And like you said, there's some enticing opponents there in very winnable games. And it's important that the Raptors take care of business because they put themselves in quite a hole earlier on in the season and in that past losing streak.
0: Yeah, for sure. You know, we've talked about it before they have, a lot of games probably about a half a dozen games they probably wish they could have back but gotta go steal some now gotta go steal some now I think you could say that they stole one from Denver even though it was dominant so I wouldn't really call it a steal but a game that people probably would have chalked up as a loss they made a win the Suns are coming off a loss to the magic so they'll have it on their mind to get back on track but again seeing familiar faces feeling like you owe the Pistons who you've yet to beat this season injury riddled Thunder injury riddled Lakers um, and some other teams who you're right around in the standings. It's going to be high stakes for the remainder of the season. Raptors have 28 games. One thing to keep an eye on ahead of this Suns game, Deandre Bembry, and Paul Watson have entered the league's health and safety protocols does not necessarily mean there was a positive test could be contact tracing, but that is something to keep an eye on their availability. Tough break for both of those guys, because obviously with the roster turnover, Deandre Bembry has some, had some great minutes against Denver recently. Um, Paul Watson is about to have an opportunity to kind of step into a bigger role. So certainly wishing for the best for them health wise, first and foremost, but get them back on the court as soon as possible as for the upcoming game. Friday, if you if you actually happen to catch this before the game, uh, Suns at Raptors Friday, 7.30 p.m. on Sportsnet, the Norman Powell return game, but not to Toronto. That'll be emotional next year, I'm sure, once he makes his return back to Toronto, whoever he's with, if he stays with Portland or not. That's Sunday, March 28th, 7 p.m., also on Sportsnet. Keep it locked in with us over on NBA.com. We've got you covered leading up to the game, injury reports, updates, on whether or not those guys will be available and when they will be available and when we the Raptors will get the guys back out of the health and safety protocols. Again, thanks for tuning in to the Raptors Pod Table podcast. Make sure to subscribe and rate, and we'll get these right into your feed as soon as they drop. For Kyle Irving, I'm Gil McGregor. Thanks for tuning in, and we'll catch you next time.